Ciao. Salam. This is Life in Subtitles, a show about the unique and shared experiences of immigrants and children of immigrants. We talked about our backgrounds on the first show, and this time we want to dig deeper. And what better guests to help us do that than the people who raised us and influenced our relationships with our heritage and cultural identity. To better understand our experiences, we want to give you a peek behind the curtains of our upbringing and what made us us. So we recently spoke to our parents about their own journeys. You'll hear some stories they told us growing up, along with some new insights we gained from them during these conversations. Both my parents were born in the country formerly known as Yugoslavia. My mom is from Zemun, which is a city equivalent to Mississauga to Toronto in what's now known as Serbia. My dad spent his early years in Ljubljana before moving to Belgrade, where they would eventually meet each other. So let's jump in to see how they ended up in Canada. So I was born in Ljubljana, Yugoslavia at that time, spent first five years in Ljubljana, then the whole family moved to Belgrade, which was the capital of Yugoslavia. And I started a school over there, uh, high school, university. After I finished university, I went to the military. And uh, after that, moved back to Ljubljana and spent another four or five years in Ljubljana before we decided to move to, to Canada. So we were both working in uh, Slovenia, in Ljubljana, before we deciding to move to Canada. And why we decided to move to Canada our friends start moving all over the Europe or all over the world. And because your mama had uh, relatives in Canada, we kind of decided, okay, let's try something new. Yeah. So it was more of an adventure than a, we have to leave. It was more of an option of let's see what's there. Everyone else is moving all over. Why not see how it is? There's relatives and family in Canada. So we at least have some contact, some person we know. Yeah. We were young and naive wanted to see the world, to try something new. There was no war. There was no dire economic situation for which we would move. We just wanted to try something new and and learn. And we didn't have a plan to stay here for 30 years. So we thought we're going to go for a few years and see how we like it. And we really didn't have a, a big plan for it. Okay, so you've been here for over 30 years, meaning that you first moved here in the early 90s. We moved here in April 1990. Okay. And we mentioned we have family in Hamilton and they first settled in Hamilton. Yes. So you had someone to kind of ask questions or at least have a base. Oh, definitely. It was a big, big help. First, we stayed at their house. They helped us learn about Canadian ways of grocery shopping, of finding a job, and similar everyday activities. It was good to have somebody here. So what was the hardest part about moving to a new country? Where basically you didn't have any friends, you had family, but you didn't have any friends of the same age. Basically at 29 or 30, we were starting from zero. We already spoke English, but really at that age, 
we wanted to find a job and that wasn't easy. First, it was a beginning of recession in Canada. Second, we were brand new in Canada and really didn't have any connections in the industry who can actually help us. Our family in Hamilton, they were in totally different industry. So from that point of view, they couldn't help, but they helped with us having home. A home base. Uh, a home base. And Tata, what about you? What was the, the hardest thing about moving to a new country? Basically, my major concern was, uh, should I fit in or kind of blend in with everything? Uh, I didn't speak English at that time like your mama did. But after spending uh, two months in a change uh, in Hamilton in a school, mama got the job in Toronto. So we moved to Toronto. And basically, I was uh, all English uh, learning for me. And uh, I started looking for a job. And uh, finally, I was able to get a job and uh, start working. And uh, the English was uh, actually... You learn on job. Yes, basically. That kind of answers my next question, which is what were some of the worries you had when you first settled here? But it sounds that a lot of it was just about fitting in and, again, having no connection, so building kind of from the ground up. Now, thinking more about it, I already had four years of experience in the industry. My biggest worry was about that experience. Would it be good enough for finding a job in the same industry here in in Toronto. Because, of course, you want to be independent financially from your relatives. We were already, you know, in our late 20s, early 30s, and you want to be independent. So that's why finding a job was the biggest worry. What were some major differences you noticed when you first moved here? whether it be at the grocery store, the radio, how people interacted when you were at interviews or at jobs or meeting people at parties. I remember the story that one of your new Canadian friends taught you the BYOB because bring your own beverage didn't exist back home. Yes, yes, that was was the funny thing. That was our first Canadian party, and uh, when we got an invitation, there was that abbreviation, BYOB, and we said, what is this? And then we were explained in a way that alcohol is very expensive here, so when people organize a party, the person uh, who is organizing the party, he is already giving a home to be used for the party, and then everybody brings their own alcohol that they want to drink. And I thought, well, okay, that that sounds logical. But I didn't know that the drinks that you bring, you really have to drink them. So our first party, we, we brought a bottle of wine to our host, and then we drank some Coca-Cola. And then later I was told that the person who brought Coca-Cola look at me in a certain way, like I was drinking his or her Coca-Cola. And that that didn't exist where we come from. When you are at the party, basically, whatever is there, food and drinks, you just consume it. That's that that was the culture. Yeah, that that's the funny part. 
for me, the differences were people go shopping, grocery shopping once a week instead of going every day like we, what we used to do back home. Then people ask you, how are you? But they really don't care about the answer because they're already walking away from you. They just say, hey, how are you? And first I thought they're really asking me. They really care about how I am. And I would start to explain and then notice that person was already gone. So, yeah, you learn pretty quick. Uh, finding a job was also different. Having interviews with different people and people asking you for Canadian experience and also looking at you as a newcomer of course you have an accent and that's the first thing that they notice plus they then judge your experience from Europe and you know you see that they are not quite sure that that experience is good enough for here for me actually I was looking on a positive way when you go to the grocery store you can find anything anything that you can imagine and at any part of the year Back home, uh, for example, you have strawberries only in the summer. Here you can have strawberries in the midwinter. It's not the same taste, but, uh, you know, when you go to the grocery store, wow. And I remember at the beginning, we couldn't have enough oranges. Not because we didn't have oranges back home. It's just because it was so convenient. Anytime you can go to the store, you can get the orange juice or bananas or anything else. It was difficult to, to find a job, but once you got the job, uh, was better. Uh, you got some kind of confidence and then you start looking for something better because uh, that first job was uh, just a job to start, uh, like a base. And like Mama said, how many times we heard, oh, you don't have enough Canadian experience. And uh, that's something that actually I haven't seen changing since we arrived to Canada. Uh, Canadian immigration policy. You're bringing people from all over the world, doctors, lawyers, engineers. And once they are here in Canada, Canada basically just abandoned them. And okay, just be a cab driver or go and work in a grocery stores or cleaners. So that's something that hasn't changed since we arrived here. And maybe that's something that uh, actually it has to change. Is there anything that you miss from back home? Yes pastry <laughs> it's always about the food <laughs> pastry and of course my high school friends and uh, that openness with high school friends and uh, uh, just closeness with with them well beside the food friends back home you just go to see your friend you don't have to make a phone call you don't have to send a text message anything you just show up and everything is fine you can have a coffee, you can have a nice conversation. Here, it's a totally different story. Even uh, next door neighbor, you have to kind of announce yourself that uh, you're coming to see or just to ask for help. I think that that's something that's... Missing. Different. Yeah. Different. You both moved here in 1990. Did you have a plan to start raising a family or to start a family as soon as you moved here? Was it the plan over there that you wanted to start a family? We didn't have any plans. First, we wanted to find a job, establish ourselves, and then it just came naturally. I was ready to be a mom after five years being here. It just happened naturally. Because of the, the situation back home and the war started, we brought 
all our families are here. So my family, uh, my sister and her family, my dad, also mama's uh, sister, family and the dad, and we were all living together. And then slowly, one family was starting to move. And then uh, I would say before we started thinking about the family, my sister-in-law was still a family, still with us. So we decided, okay, uh, Branka, it's time for you guys to move so we can start the family. So basically, she didn't like that. But I think that was the time that we had to say, okay, either or. So that was that was the point in our lives that I have to say no to my sister-in-law. And then she moved out and the family started. <laughs> So how was it raising a daughter in a new country? You've been here for five years. You've, you know, become assimilated to Canadian culture. How was it now raising a, a child in a new country? It was frustrating. That was our experience here. You were our first child. We didn't, and we were, we were new. Actually, I should say this. I think that we were functioning quite well before we got you. But then with the, with the baby, there are new situations. Taking a baby to the doctor, taking a baby for vaccination, starting a preschool, starting school. Those were all totally new situations for us, totally different from what we know from back home. And just to make it kind of funny, I remember my father-in-law, when you started going to preschool, he commented, hmm. he said, it's funny, Canada is such a rich country, but they don't have enough chairs in um, kindergarten. So children are sitting on the floor. Huh? And, and, and I said, that's, that's a very fair comment. But we learned from preschool teachers that Actually, it was much better for kids to sit on the floor and for teachers because, you know, you're much safer on the floor than on the chair. If child sits on the chair, she or he can easily fall off the chair. So that was funny explanation. So there were many situations like that. And that's why I said it was frustrating because you have in your mind a certain way of thinking how people, doctors, teachers, everybody who is in contact with your child, how they should be behaving, and it was totally different. So for me, it was very frustrating, and, and I think I was kind of quarreling with those people all the time. Well, let's say we didn't have previous experience. <laughs> <laughs> so everything was brand new for us. And uh, when it was the time for Mama to go back to work, we were supposed to find somebody who was going to take care of you while we were at work. And we couldn't find one person that was right according to our standards. And luckily at that time, I was able to, to change my shift. And basically I was with you in the morning. Mama was with you in the afternoon. And we were like that for five and a half years. And everything worked perfectly like a clock. The marriage worked. We didn't see each other. <laughs> So, you know, after five and a half years, uh, it was time for you to go to um, junior kindergarten. And um, it was a good experience for both of us. And we enjoyed every minute in the morning, in the afternoon, 
weekends. It was amazing. We were constantly tired. At least I can speak for myself because we were dedicated to you and we wanted you to be with one of your parents. And people around us, those friends that we made over the years, they couldn't understand how come we don't have a babysitter or nanny. And it wasn't about money. It was just the way how we saw ourselves as parents. Yes, we didn't see each other for five years, right? We didn't go to a movie theater as a couple for five years. I have no regrets because we spend every free time with you. And I just want to point something out in terms of what you were saying, not finding someone that fit us in the sense of how you wanted to raise your child. And then also pointing out that, yes, your dads, my grandfathers were here, but they kind of split their time kind of 50-50 here and then back home. And I grew up without grandmothers, so it wasn't, oh, you're going to your grandma's for the afternoon. So you, we didn't have that local support, local family tie oh, yes, support. Yes, you know, that expression, it takes a village to raise a child. We didn't have that village here. And we were trying to be, both Tata and I, to be that village for you. So after hearing your interview with your parents, I can already draw some parallels when it comes to some of the things they grappled with after immigrating here. Both of my parents are from Ethiopia. My dad was born in a small city called Kore. It's located in the southwestern province of Ilubabor. On the other hand, my mom is a city girl through and through, was born and raised in Addis Ababa, which is the capital, just to give you some geographical context. For this interview, I spoke to my dad about their shared journey. So without further ado... Here's our conversation. I was born in a family of six siblings, and I was a third. My dad uh, was a lawyer by profession, and my mom was a housewife. So our family was a little bit strict, especially with regard to education. They are very strict, and that um, we were expected to perform well and to excel in our education. And in addition to going to school at home also, I do a lot of things like uh, repairing things and um, gardening. So my mom was the major part in that. That is where I learned most of uh, the things, especially regarding food preparation and others. I learned from her. She was a very hardworking woman and uh, she was a good example. One of the things I used to do when I grew up was we started a poultry farm in our compound Mm -hmm. and I was the one who was managing the poultry farm. So how many chickens were you tending to on your poultry farm? We had um, up to uh, 500 egg laying chicken and also about um, 150 chicken which we raise for uh, meat and um, in the morning I prepare everything in the poultry and then I go to school and after school when I come back again 
I take care of uh, the poultry farm every day. But um, when I joined university, I had to stop. So we sold all the chickens and then uh, I closed my poultry and uh, then my mom started a dairy farm. Mom's a bit microphone shy, so she's not here to kind of share her experience. But could you tell me a bit about what her upbringing was like? Yeah, maybe that is also one reason that uh, she's shy because uh, her upbringing, it is, um, it's a big family, a well-to-do family. And uh, they had uh, this um, transportation business and uh, her dad uh, used to have his own big truck. And uh, so he used to go to different provinces in the country. Most of the time he's uh, on the road. Mm-hmm. Condition was like strict, so which means... When she goes somewhere, someone has to follow her from uh, house, like for her protection and also to make sure that um, everything is okay. So that is part of the culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, in almost all households, this happens. So mostly for the girls, they have to be accompanied. So you both spent most of your lives to that point in Addis Ababa. You met there, you got married, had a son, and then you moved to Belgium. Could you tell me a bit about that journey or that transition? What was that like? So when I got the scholarship to go abroad for my education, our son was um, 10 months old and it was a challenge, I mean, to live uh, by myself because I had to leave them behind and uh, go to Belgium. Everything was new. So it's a different culture, a different place. It was tough. So it took me some time just to get um, adjusted to the new environment and the new uh, way of life. And also just to start education as uh, a student again. Uh, It was not easy. So... After I uh, started my master's, they came and joined me after after a year. So what was that transition like, moving to a new country with a small child, leaving behind your family and everything you've ever known to continue your studies? Yeah, ev- everything was uh, like new and uh, it, was, it was a challenge, especially as a culture itself. So from... Uh, uh, a place where you grow up uh, and uh, where you are surrounded by family, friends, then you leave uh, everybody behind and everything behind and you come to a new country. Uh, but uh, you have to be determined if you want to achieve your goal. So even though it was hard, we were able to make it. And after mm-hmm. I started my PhD, then you came. So you were uh, a blessing in um, PhD study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I came along, you finished your degree. Yeah. And then we obviously ended up here. How did that happen? What was that? journey like? First, when um, I was doing my studies, 
The plan was just to finish my studies and to go back to Ethiopia. But mm. uh, we had um, friends who were with us in Belgium. And uh, then they convinced us to come to Canada. So we applied for a permanent residency and we were uh, accepted. But I didn't finish my studies. So we had to come in between just to complete the landing process. So we came here in um, 97 and we stayed with our friends and uh, we uh, processed the landing. So we had to go back. I continued my studies. So we were given two years only. So we had to finish within two years and come back to Canada because there is a return residence permit. So I was not able to finish. And in 99, we came here and I settled my family. And um, so we rented an apartment here and I went back to Belgium to finish up my studies. And it took me, I think, 15 months again after that. But mm-hmm. by that time, it was very hard, especially for mm-hmm. uh, my wife, because she was here by herself with uh, two kids. And um, I was sending money from there, from my scholarship, just for uh, rent and uh, for other uh, necessary expenses here. But um, thank God that um, everything was completed successfully. And I came and when I came, it was um, on the eve of Christmas in 2000. So December 24. Yes. So I came at night. And if you remember, I, I brought with me a Christmas tree from Belgium with Christmas lights and everything. So we came home, but then... Uh, we realized that we forgot the Christmas tree at the airport. So we had to go back and get the Christmas tree. So I think most of um, the night we were uh, just setting up the Christmas tree and uh, it was fun. It's unforgettable. Yeah, I was, what, five at that point? I remember that vividly. Yes, you were five. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about how difficult it was to kind of settle your family here, but also have to go back and kind of finish what you started. But in between that point, was there someone or like people who helped us settle here? We had those friends, uh, family friends here. After I came back, we had also uh, friends who lived with us in Belgium. And some of them, they came Mm -hmm. here also. They moved to Canada before us. And so we started meeting with them and uh, socializing. And we formed a kind of association for uh, former Ethiopian students in Belgium. And it was uh, was fun. Mm -hmm. And it's not only for the adults, but uh, for uh, you, our kids also. It was a very good opportunity to be together, to have fun together, to play together. So every month we used to meet and uh, we used to have uh, small parties in uh, each household. So we go from house to house every month. So it was a good start, Mm -hmm. I mean, to get used to the new environment and the new culture, the new way of life. So it was a bridge. Were there other communities that helped you feel at home here? I know that we had joined the church, for instance. How helpful was that? 
What role did that play? Well, that was, I mean, very, very helpful spiritually and also socially. Going to the church and uh, meeting with um, other uh, Ethiopians, with our community people. It's like um, home far from home. There is uh, also an Ethiopian association here in Toronto. I started also participating there and um, it kept us active and once in a while, we used to go to play with others also, like volleyball. I don't know if you remember, we used to go some yeah. evenings in the week. So those are people from my workplace, from the University of Toronto. So all that helped, I mean, uh, to know others, to make friends. Right. You kind of touched on this earlier, but what was the hardest thing about moving to a new country? You did it twice and specifically looking at your experience moving here from Belgium. How tough was that? The toughest thing here is, first it was uh, the schooling, because uh, there you guys started uh, schooling in uh, French. And when mm -hmm. we came here, we were afraid that it could be in English, and then you will have a little bit of lag. But uh, luckily, there was a French machine. And my son, he had a special teacher for him who used to teach him English during uh, lunchtime. And it didn't take him a long time to learn and to catch up. He caught up with other students and uh, he became very comfortable with English. So the other thing is when you are new to the country and when your education is in another country, here it is a little bit tough just to prove mm -hmm. that um, you are good or that your education meets the requirements here. So it mm -hmm. took um, a little bit of effort, but luckily when I came, just two months after I arrived here, I got um, a postdoc position and that is where I started. But after I finished my postdoc, there was um, some time where I couldn't find a job because if you have a PhD holder, it's not easy to find a job. You will be told that you are overqualified. Mm -hmm. And it teaches you that in addition to your education, you need to have a strong network to find a way to get a job. Or sometimes it's not what you know, but it is who you know that matters more. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there is this pressure to assimilate when you move to a different country, right? Did you feel any of that? And there was there also this pressure to kind of make sure that your kids maintained a bit of like a connection to their culture or the culture that you grew up with? I can say yes, uh, because um, you are very comfortable with our culture. So it starts from language just to communicate with others. We didn't do like um, a formal way of teaching you the language, but uh, except the writing, you are good in um, uh, speaking the language. So you are, you are able to communicate and language is a bridge. And culture-wise, we practice our culture at home also. So I think you have picked up very well. And um, uh, for example... Uh, the foods and uh, the cultural clothes and others. I think you have also taught or introduced many of your friends to the Ethiopian food or uh, menu. So yeah. that means it's reflected on you. And I don't think we pressured you 
that much to learn. But I think the only times I ever took issue with it is when I would speak in English and you would respond in Amharic. <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I think that was how we led you, well, not forcing, but uh, showing you the way. When you spoke in uh, English, if we responded in English, then you wouldn't have the chance to learn the language. Mm-hmm. Because for you, it's easy to speak English. And if you hear English from us, then that's it. So you'll forget the other one. But now I think you speak Amharic also and uh, you hear and uh, you... So I think it's it's a good advantage for you. That is what I believe and for my son also. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy that we didn't reply in English. Mm. Um, what are some of the things that you wanted to provide for your children that you didn't have growing up? Well, uh, one thing is pursuing your own interests, not to be denied what you are interested in, just to pursue what uh, you'd like to do, and uh, to know your interest very well, just to get exposed and know your interest, develop your interest, and be successful in what you want to do. So not what others want you to do, but what you want to do. So that is, I think, uh, what I really want my kids to to have. So as you said, you, you wanted to make sure that your children had the opportunity to kind of pursue their passions. Where did that come from? Like, Why did you feel the need to make sure that we had that opportunity? Um, I know it's not very common in the Ethiopian community to, you know, uh, encourage your children to pursue the arts, for instance, but that's something that you did. Could you tell me about that? This is based on uh, my experience where I tried to change the stream of education I was pursuing because I didn't have well orientation on uh, the kind of education I had to pursue and without knowing much of my interest, I went to study biology and I joined a science department. After that, uh, when I completed second year, I felt like going for uh, theatrical art mm-hmm. and I applied to the uh, theatrical arts department and they agreed to accept me to do the theatrical courses intensively and to start second year in theater. But unfortunately, the science department didn't agree, so they refused that I couldn't uh, change the stream of um, study I wanted to pursue. From that time, I was not that much interested in biology itself. I was... um, continuing the study, but not really interested. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I developed a kind of um, stand just to help others to pursue their uh, interest, knowing that I missed much because I couldn't do what I wanted to do. When it came to my kids, I considered all that, and then I opened the channel for communication. It's not only in our um, community, in I think most of the 
immigrant community, people are pushing their kids to do engineering, mm -hmm. medicine, or law, mm -hmm. because they think those are the ones which are paying much. Mm -hmm. So they want their kids to have what they couldn't have. So it's true. I mean, people are trying to get the best for their kids without realizing that the kids may not be interested in that. I believe in that one has to go with his interest. If not, it's like a battle uphill. You used to talk about the poultry farm back when we would discuss school and how dedicated you were. You use that as an example of why we should be doing better <laughs> in school. Yeah, sometimes when I try to convince you to work hard, then I bring myself as an example. Hey, I used to do this and that. So <laughs> mm -hmm. if I was able to do this in Ethiopia, then you could do better. So that was yeah. my what I used to tell you as an example. It's true. If I was able to be successful by growing up most of my life in Ethiopia, for you to grow here, I mean, mm -hmm. you can be better than me. And I think that is what every parent wishes his or her child to be better than them. So mm -hmm. that is why. listening to our parents' interviews, we noticed that they kind of had the same answer when it came to the advice they'd pass along to other immigrants raising children. Yeah, despite the very different journeys that brought them to Canada. From my experience of talking to the youth, to parents, being involved in um, different um, community activities and going for uh, mentorship in um, different organizations, what I learned is that we have to create a kind of medium where we can have discussion and establish a common understanding. The main thing in the house is for the kids and parents to speak the same language. When I say the same language, it's not uh, English, English, or Amharic, Amharic, or another language. It is to be on the same page. If you want to help your kid, then you have to understand their concern. And um, then if you can, you can give your advice. If you can't, you can um, try to seek help from uh, professionals or from others who have experience. So it's good to start the discussion, talking. And when you are a parent, you are a parent, but you have to approach your kid also as a friend to play together, to have fun together, to be closer to each other so that your kid can open to you to discuss, uh, to ask questions, to raise his or her concern, respect his friends or her friends also. The flow of communication would be very smooth and there would be very good understanding which makes everything relatively easy. I would um, 
tell them to be involved with your with your children's uh, lives in every aspect. Communicate with your children all the time. Be there for them. Be aware of everything that is going on in, in their lives. Don't lose that communication with your children. Is there anything else you would like to add? I love being here. This is a country where my daughter was born and I learned a lot from her. And um, that's it. I'm just so proud of you and Sam that you are doing this um, podcast. It's such a great idea. And just a note to the listeners, we did not pay her to say that. We did not pay her to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Mama. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay, first of all, your mom is so sweet. Um, As we heard, a person's decision to leave their home country can be motivated by so many different factors. Some are fleeing from conflict, others with the hopes of securing better opportunities for their loved ones and some simply in search of new adventures. Regardless of the reason, it's challenging to leave behind everything and everyone you've ever known to establish a new life somewhere completely new. During my conversation with my dad, he mentioned how being able to buy injera and other Ethiopian foods in Toronto when we first moved here made him feel represented, and also found comfort and community through church. Your parents talked about how fortunate they were to have family here to lean on, For newcomers, finding their diasporic communities, along with whatever small reminders of home there are in their new city, can be integral to their settlement journey. So with that said, we hope people are able to take something away from both of our parents' interviews. That's our show for this week. We want to thank everyone who helped us make this podcast a reality. Katrina Schutten for creating our cover art, Ali Farugi for designing our logo, And most importantly, thank you to our parents for stepping out of their comfort zones to share their stories, personal experiences, and wisdom with us on the show, but especially for raising us the way that they did. Shout out to my co-host Sam for interviewing her parents and her editing and mixing skills. And shout out to Nina for her interview with her parents. Our music this week is by It's Water. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'd love to hear what you thought about the show. We want to learn and improve, so please sound off on our Instagram at life and subtitles podcast or send us an email at life and subtitles podcast at gmail.com we hope you'll continue to join us for future shows speaking of you can leave us a voicemail on the anchor app or send us an audio file via email telling us stories of how your name has been mispronounced in the past the actual pronunciation and the meaning behind it and it might be featured in our next episode which will be all about names so So for for now, now bye